Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Welcome to Renew Life Church. My name's Keith. I'm the campus pastor here. We're so glad that you are here today. In fact, if it's your first time, we want to welcome you. So church, let's give them a real big hand clap. Welcome them to church. Today I'm going to conclude our our series that I've been teaching on seasons. And so if you have your Bible, open up to uh, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, we're going to be reading verses 7 through 10 in the uh, ESV. Galatians chapter 6 says this. says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season, come on, say due season, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Let me read that that passage again. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. If you've been here for the last two weeks, you, you've, you've been a part of us talking about the fact that God actually works in seasons. Come on, say seasons. God works in seasons. God operates in seasons. In seasons, your life in the kingdom of God, guess what? It operates in seasons. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we've been reading this. What does it say? It says, there is a season for everything. There is a time for everything under the sun. You you need to realize today that we were actually created in, in the image of God, and we were created to work and to operate and to move in seasons. If you are living a life where you're trying to juggle all the balls and keep everything in the air and do this and do that and give everything your full attention and, 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 and take all the information you've ever learned in church and you've read in your Bible and you've worshiped with, all that stuff. If you're trying to do all those things, guess what? You are spread too thin and you are not living life in the kingdom like God created you to live. Balance is a myth. Some of y'all need to, need to get set free today. Balance is a myth. If you've ever had anybody ever had that conversation with your wife or husband, how are we going to do all this? Why did we have so many kids? How are we going to do all this? How do we balance this? How, really good news for you today. You're not called to balance. You're not called to live in balance. You know, we're called to live in. We're called to live in a rhythm. What does it mean when God says we, we live and we operate in seasons? What it means is that life operates more like a rhythm than it does balance. That there is actually an ebb and a flow. Am I preaching to anybody today? Just making sure you all paying attention today. There is an ebb and there is a flow to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, living in the kingdom, is an ebb and a flow. It is not a hustle. And let that one just sit there. Living in the kingdom, your Christian experience, 
your relationship with God, how you live with him and after him and going and following him, it is not supposed to be a hustle. That goes against most everything that I know. You know how many times I've been told to hustle in my life? I mean, anybody raise your hand if you ever had a coach say hustle to you. It should be about every single person in here. <clears throat> life, your Christian experience isn't supposed to look like a hustle. Now, now let me kind of give the disclaimer. Are there times where we work hard? Absolutely. Are there times where we press? Absolutely. Guess what, though? That pressing is just a season. I, if you are living your life hustling around trying to do all the things, you know what I can promise you, what I can bet is that you're not really living very joyful, are you? When you're hustling and bustling, trying to do this and trying to do that, and you're trying to give everything you're all, and you are going 100 miles an hour all the time, every time, 24-7, you cannot tell me that you're super happy. You're not happy, you are tired. You are worn out. You are burnt out on religion. This is why Jesus says, come with me. Come, come get close to me. Walk with me. Learn to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace. See, the kingdom is a rhythm. The kingdom says, I work hard for a season and then I rest. The kingdom says, I'm going to concentrate on my family for a season and then I'm going to turn over here. I'm going to concentrate on my career for a season. I'm going to concentrate on my parenting for a season. I'm going to concentrate on my relationships in my church for a season. I'm going to concentrate on my encounters with God for a season. And it's this ebb and this flow. It's kind of like a, if, if you've ever felt like you're on a roller coaster when it comes to God, guess what? You're doing it right. Because what he does is he takes us in and out, up and down, here and there. This is the way that it, that it works. God operates in season. The kingdom operates in seasons. You know, I found a, a, a interest, I learned an interesting fact this week. Um, I'm going to get real nerdy. Any, anybody like English in here? Anybody like, like, oh yeah, yes, awesome. This is for you. It's for you. I, 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 gave all, I give all the sports analogies I give every single Sunday, but now English. You ready? English. Interesting. The word, the English word priority, it was actually created in the 14th century. It's when we first started using the word priority. It actually didn't get pluralized until the 19th century. Pri the word priority was never meant to be pluralized. In other words, for those of you who would have no idea what I'm talking about, you know what the word plural, we know what plural means? <laughs> Let's start there. We need to start there. If you have that question, raise your hand again if you like English. Go talk to them after service. They'll probably explain it better. But the word priority was never meant to become priorities. The nature of the word itself means there is just one thing. There is one thing that is most important. It is the priority. And can I just say, this is exactly how God works. He says, in this season, there is a priority. In this season, there is one thing that is most important. It is at the top of the list. I want you to concentrate here in this season. This is how God speaks to us. This is how he talks to us. He's, I, 
he would rather say, you know, I'm really, I, I need you right now. I need you to dig in deep. I need you to spend a little bit more time with me. There's something that I want to create in you. There's something that I want to grow in you. There's something that I want to instill into you. I need you to in, just give me five more minutes of quiet time. Listen to one extra podcast this week. Do something that increases our intimacy together because in this season, this is what you need. I got to get something into you for the future. I need you to do this now in this season. I'm not preaching to anybody today. Is this making sense? This is how he works. And he will take us through these seasons because he wants to get us places. He wants to do something in us. Oh, but guess what? There's also seasons where he says, good job, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. Now I'm going to bless you with much. Hey, you know what? For the next three months, enjoy the harvest. Enjoy the goodness of God. I kind of touched on this last week, but I really want us to get this today. I believe that when we start understanding this about God and we start living this way, we will start experiencing the power of God in our life. You want to you see power? You see, how many of you want to see fruit in your life? How many of you want to see that thing where when you, when you do it, you get the result? You want to know how you do that? It's when you learn to operate in seasons. It's when you make the priority the priority. If, I want you to think about this. It's very, I know this is very natural and practical. But if I give everything I am to one or two things, it's going to be way better than if I give everything I am to six or seven things. Sometimes the reason we aren't experiencing the fruit and the power that we want to see in our life is because we're trying to balance our life and try to live in, instead of trying to live in the season that God has called us to. I'm going to focus here. And guess what? guess what? Guess what happens? I'm able to put all of my faith, the majority of my faith, in this. You might be wondering, well, what about all the other things? My answer to you, trust God trust God. If he says this is the thing, guess what? He knows about all the other things. So I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him with my kids. I'm going to trust him with my marriage. If, I, if he has me focus on my career, Lord, thank you that you just keep things rolling over here in my family. Guess what? If it, if it stops rolling, he will take you out of the season, focus on your career, and he will bring you right over to the thing that is most important, which is your family. We trust him. We follow him. Life is more about rhythm than it is about balance. Now today, I, uh, I want to launch off into something different and conclude this series. And I actually want to talk to you today about the hindrances to reaping the blessing of God, the harvest that is in God uh, when it comes to seasons. What are some of the distractions? What are some of the things that stop you, that hinder you from actually getting the fruit, from actually reaping the very thing that you need from the season? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4 says this, Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Leave that up there for just a second. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Let's just take that from a natural thing and put it into the spiritual realm. What is, what is Proverbs teaching us here? In order for us to get the right harvest, we have to do the right thing in the right season. 
It's a really good, good place to say amen, so I'm going to try one more time. All right? In order for us to get the right thing, we have to do the right thing in the right season. Amen. There it is. That's what I'm talking about. That's what he is teaching us here. We have to do the right thing in the right season. So today I want to title the message, Let's Get the Harvest. Let's get the harvest. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. We ask that it just would pierce us, that it would grow us. Yeah, we just subject our life and our, our soul and our mind to what your word has to say today. Yeah, change us today. Transform us today. We change our perspective. We get tra- Lord, I ask you to transform our thinking today. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. John chapter 21, there's a story here in, in the Bible where uh, Jesus has been crucified. The disciples don't know what to do. They're, they're, they're roaming around. Uh, they are lost. Peter is probably the most lost. He gathers up his disciple friends and he's like, hey, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where Jesus is. I don't know what step we're supposed to take next. So I'm going to go back to what I was doing. Let's actually go fishing. So they go fishing for the night. It gets done. Jesus shows up on the shore. Peter jumps out of the water, swims over there to him. It's a kind of a really cool story. This is where we pick up in verse 15. Um, I love this. Jesus decided to cook them breakfast and because uh, he knows that a way to a man's heart is through food. So after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. I want you to pay attention to this next passage. Verse 20 says, Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. Who is this? This is John. This is the one who is writing this story. This is him bragging about himself. (laughs) Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Interesting story here. What do we actually see in the story? We see Peter and Jesus walking together, talking together. And really what we find here is another moment in Scripture where someone's season completely changes. Jesus comes to Peter and he completely rocks his world. He completely changes his season. What, what, did, what did Peter just get out of? Peter just got out of denying Jesus three times. Peter just went through the hardest moment he's ever had in his life. 
Peter was so lost and didn't know what to do, he went back to fishing, which he hadn't done in three and a half years. He went back to his old job. He went back to his old career. He was completely lost. He was full of shame. He was full of guilt. He was full of condemnation. He was walking around. All of a sudden, Jesus comes, and what does he do? Jesus completely restores Peter back to the ministry. He gives him his calling. He gives him his purpose. He gives him his hope. He gives him a whole new season. Amazing, huge moment in Peter's life. Maybe the biggest. Kind of competes with walking on water, but probably the biggest. And notice what Peter's first response is. He gets this call. He gets this season-changing word. And then it says, he turns around looks at John and goes, hey, Jesus, what about him? What about this guy? You know, you know, Jesus, I appreciate the word. I appreciate the calling, the season change. You know, it's, it's really, really exciting, also terrifying, because you kind of told me how I was going to die. That's not really great. What about, what about John? How's he going to die? <laughs> What's going to happen to him? What's his walk going to look like? And Jesus' response is, This is my own translation. Why don't you stop worrying about him and just worry about you? Why don't you get your eyes off of him and why don't you get your eyes on me? Follow me. Now, what does this have to do with seasons? Here's why this actually makes sense. One of our first reactions, one of the first things that we as people do is we go and we compare ourselves to other people, don't we? What is our natural response? Our natural response is a lot like Peter. We want to turn around and be like, hey, I think I have a pretty good thing, but I'd like to compare it to his to make sure it's a really good thing. Hear me today. You know what comparison can do? Comparison can rob your harvest in your season. Comparison will have you look back at someone else's life, especially in today's age, comparison will have you look at the highlight reel on Facebook and the highlight reel on Instagram, and we will go back and we will look at people's lives and we will say, I wish I had that. I want that. Why do, why do they get that? Why don't they ever have to do the things that I have to do? How come everything that they touch seems to turn to gold? How come they don't seem to ever have to go through the being faithful in the little? And God will give us a new season. And if we are not careful, if we, if we start comparing our life to other people's, we will jump out of the season God just put us in. We, we will, especially if it's a season of being faithful with the little. Especially if it's a season of being hidden. Especially if it's a season where you're number two, you're the number two guy. Especially if it's a season if you're, you're not even number two. Especially if it's a season where he's trying to do something in you and build you. See, this is one of the dangers of the society and the culture that we live in. Is we don't ever get to see people's process. Have you noticed that? All we see is LeBron James at 18 years old throwing it down on a bunch of 25-year-olds in the NBA making millions of dollars. And be like, Lord, where's mine? Couldn't you just gave him about eight? He could still be a superstar with about 80% of what he's got. I would take the 20. In fact, split the 20 up. Give four people five. That was math. We did English earlier. Now that was math. 
But we see people in their prime. We see people doing their thing. We see people, we don't ever see the LeBron James or the Michael Jordans or the whoever that you look up to and you, you, you admire. We don't ever see the, the, the nights they spent in their bedroom dribbling that ball one billion times. We don't see it. It's not attractive. It doesn't make the news. And we will compare our season of little to people's seasons of much. And, and, and the, the tendency is that instead of staying with it and staying in the season that God really has us in, we will make our own way. You know what we do? We just jump right out of our season. It's called self-promotion. I love what Bill says about that. He says, uh, <clears throat> he says Any, anything that you promote yourself, you'll have to sustain yourself. But anytime God promotes you, he'll sustain it. He said it a lot better than that, but you get the picture. What do we want? When we are in seasons of waiting, when we are in seasons of building, when we are in seasons of being alone, when we are in seasons of being intimate, we know God's doing something on the inside of us. You know what we have to learn how to do? We have to learn to stay. We have to learn to let him mold us and shape us and do all those things on the inside of us that we don't even like, that feel a little bit rough. Where's the glory, God? Where, when's it ever going to be done? We, 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 we have to stay there. We actually have to faithfully trust. We have to stay there and say, God, keep doing it. I'll stay number two as long as I need to stay number two. I'll stay in this job serving another man's vision as long as I have to. I want, you to, I want you to do this thing because, because you know what doesn't taste good? Fruit that's not ready. Fruit that's not right. We don't want to prematurely take ourselves out of the season God has put us in. And, and, and here's some little, little bit of theology for you. You can. You can take yourself out. This is why he said, those are who are too lazy to plant in the season won't have a harvest. In other words, you have the option to not do the right thing in the right season. I feel like I need to give a disclaimer there. God is super gracious in that. He's super merciful in that. In other words, you can mess it up and still stay in the season as long as you just kind of come on back. Are you hearing me today? <clears throat> but comparison is a... It's a, it's a snaky thing. Um, you know what? I, I've, I've learned this about comparison. You know what comparison never makes you think? You don't, you don't go around comparing to yourself to people and being like, I wonder what season they're in. Anybody ever thought that before? We, we don't ever think about, I wonder what season they're in. No, we just see what they have and what we don't. Here is, I want you to really grab a hold of this. Comparison will lead you to two conclusions. It will either lead you to jealousy or it will lead you to judgment. You will either get jealous of the season that someone else is in or you will, you will, you will judge the season that someone else is in. This is, one of the down, this is one of the pitfalls of maturing in the Lord. Can I preach a little bit this morning? 
We will mature and we will get to seasons. We will be faithful with little and we'll be trusted with much. We will promote. He will promote us. We will have favor. We will mature. And then we will look back and we will see other people in the church. We will see other people in our family. We will see other people in our lives and be like, my goodness, when are they going to get it? Come on. How do you not know better? And we don't ever even realize they're in a season of their own. Come on, if you believe God works in seasons in in your life, guess what that means? He's working in seasons in other people's lives too. Let's just stay away from this comparison thing, amen? It'll keep you in the season and it'll help you reap the harvest. Come on, let's get the harvest. It'll help you reap the harvest that you're called to get. So one, the the first hindrance to reaping in in season is, is comparison. The second thing, giving up. The second thing that will hinder you from reaping the harvest is giving up. I want to take you back to our first scripture today, Galatians 6, 9. What does it say? Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. There's a a huge promise in here for the people of God. You will reap. You will. If you stay with it, you'll get what you want. If you stay with it, you'll get the fruit. If you stay with it, you will get the harvest. If you will stay with it and you do not give up, the promise from God is he's going to bless you. It's, it's, it's just not true. If you are faithful with the little, he will give you much. Why, how do I know that? Number one, through experience. But more than that, because he said it. I live my life by this word. Anybody else in here? And if he says, I will reap if I don't give up, I'm going to reap. Sometimes that just looks like not giving up for longer than other times. Hear me today. Stop giving up. Do not give up. Here at RLC, we are a people who don't give up. We have grit. We keep pushing forward. We do not lay down. If we fall down, we're just going to give up. Get, get up because we don't give up. You are not allowed to give up. If you come to this church, you hear me today. If, if, if we're in relationship, I ain't going to let you give up. Don't let me give up. Do not give up. You know why? You know why you don't have to give up? Because you have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwelling in you. Because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Because he, he's made you courageous and he's made you bold. We don't get to give up. We don't get to. Did you know that, that scripture actually teaches us that the men and women of faith that have gone before us, they're waiting on you and they're waiting on me to not give up. They aren't even going to get the promise that God promised to them until we all decide we ain't giving up. Did you know that, the, that, that Noah, that Esther, that Mary, that Enoch, that, Mo, that Moses, that the people that we look up to, the people of faith, the people that we read about, did you know it says that they did not receive all that God promised them and that God's waiting to give it to them because he's waiting on us? Some of you are like, no, I didn't know that. Well, I'm going to read it to you so, you so you hear this. Hebrews chapter 11 says, All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. 
You know what that tells me? They never gave up. They kept living by faith to the day that they died and still didn't receive everything that, they, that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Therefore, now you know, you, you'll, you'll pick up, you know this scripture. Therefore, since we are surrounded by all those people, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Run with endurance. Let's not give up. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I was talking to our pre service meeting today and to our worship team and everybody. It's like, it's kind of, it's kind of creepy, but you just got a bunch of dead people of faith that are cheering you on right now. That's the truth though. The men and women of faith that have gone before us and done such amazing acts, you know what they're doing? They're in heaven just screaming and cheering us on. A huge, they're the huge crowd of witnesses that's saying, you know what they're saying? Don't give up. Keep going. We're dependent upon you. Keep carrying the torch. Keep going. You got this thing. We did it. Now you keep going. It's not just you trying not to give up in and of your own strength. You got a huge crowd of witnesses cheering you on from heaven. Come on, somebody say amen. You want to reap what God has for you in the season. We don't give up. You know, one of the times in my life, I have a couple of examples here. I'm just going to share one. I remember when the Lord, uh, even just recently, was taking me through a season of just what I would call a season of freedom, a season of inner healing. He was dealing with me on, on just things on the inside that I needed to deal with. And um, but before I go any further, anybody else ever gone through this, this season before? Raise your hand. Anybody ever experienced this? It was like every time that I went to go spend time with God, it was like he was digging something up in my soul and in my heart. And I was just like, Lord, would you please put the shovel away? This is, this is miserable. But he was doing something in me in this season. He's revealing things that I needed to deal with, revealing things that I needed to take care of, leading me in different ways I'd never heard him before. And the truth was, it was painful. I wanted to give up. I wanted to stop. There was even moments where I was like, you know what, today, Lord, no quiet time today, I can't do it. Because I know if I go in there and I get in there with you, I'm going to have to deal with that thing again or something else. I'm just like, I just, I'm just going to, no, no quiet time today. Just, I'm going to go look, get in my car, listen to John Mayer and call it a good day. But I would go back in and go back in. Hear me, there will be seasons in your life where you will want to get weary and you will want to give up, which is why scripture says don't. Don't feel condemned. Don't feel shameful because you feel that way. 
just don't give up. Amen? Because he's doing something in you. He did something in me. There was a fruit that I received because I stayed in there. And then number three, I'll close quickly. It's another hindrance to receiving and reaping the harvest in your season is trying to do it alone. Doing it alone. Don't try to do your season alone. Come on, are you hearing me today? Don't go through your season alone. Invite people into your season. Invite people into the conversation. Invite people you trust into the things that you feel like God is doing, into the thing that God is saying. You know what happens when we don't do that? We get weird. We get weird. We do. A lot of times, I've just learned this, a lot of times God will take us into something and we will get very, very extreme about what he's saying. He's doing it on purpose because he needs to be drastic and needs to be extreme so that you'll get it and you'll do it. But we will think that everything is about this because he highlighted it in this season. Everything's about evangelism. We gotta save Lubbock. We gotta preach the gospel everywhere we go. All true. It's just some of the truth. In the season that he has you in, it's going to feel like this is all I'm supposed to do. And it is. But it's so good when you invite some people into your season and they can just say, hey, that's awesome. I'm glad you're doing that. Keep doing that. Just know there's other things too. Just know that God's bigger than that. There's more things that he wants to do. There's a bigger picture. You need people in your life that give you the 40,000 foot view. Amen. so good to have those people in your life. Invite them into your season. Especially invite people into your hard seasons. I've gone through seasons of what I would call wilderness seasons. It seemed like God was far, far away. Couldn't find him, felt empty, felt dry. Thought something was wrong with me. Had all kinds of thoughts. You know what I needed in the season? I need to invite someone into my season. This is what I'm here. That's what I feel like. I, I, that's where I'm at. Oh, you are there. Let me pray for you. Let me believe for you. Let me join you in this season. <clears throat> Got to invite people in our season. Amen. Don't do it alone. Number one, don't compare. Number two, don't give up. And number three, don't do it alone. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.